And then I got a picture in my head. It says that God made him sin who knew of no sin and so he could have his righteousness. So anyway, a picture. I'm, I'm hoeing a row in the field. And the deal is that if you leave some weeds, you have to die at the end. Only if you do it perfect, you will live. And I'm not very far down the road, and I know that I've left some. I know I've sinned. You all know that. You, you don't need to tell somebody that you're a sinner, right? Can't go back. That's the deal. You can only go once. There's no hope. Yeah. I have to die. And then Jesus, he comes right beside me with a completely clean rock. He, he says, you want to switch? Yeah. You can have my role. I'll take your place. Amen. Now he's in the role with his weeds. Yeah. He had to die. The thing is, I had to give him my past and I had to give him my future. Amen. My plans and, and my sin or whatever is the future, I had to give up. I switched roles. Mm. I'm in his role now. Welcome back to Enlightened the Gospel, episode 33. My name is Dan Blatt. And today's episode, I get to talk to a man who is 20 years my senior. I kind of grew up with uh, some of his children. His oldest son is a couple years younger than me, went to school with my, uh, my wife. So his story is quite unique in that he was uh, raised in Mexico, very religious, but didn't really come to a full, complete understanding of the gospel until his 50s, is my guess. And uh, it's a really neat story. He was a self-righteous man, a good man. Left old colony, went to Tlania Mainde, and was, in, was involved with Gattis Humende and so on and so forth. But now only in the last 10 years or so where the gospel has really become very, very clear and precious and dear to him. And I think the way he describes it, the way he brings it out will really help a lot of people to understand the gospel in a very simple way. So thanks again for tuning in. Please share this message, subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, like the video. All those things help out with uh, gaining a little more traction and having more and more people hear the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. What an honor. Well, good to be here. I, um, obviously, as you know, once you, once you think that you you, you, you found something. Now, I don't know why you asked me to, to actually come. I don't know what you know, how much you know about me. Right. But I don't know very much, but I do know that you appreciate the gospel and that it has obviously transformed your thinking and you're pretty excited about it. This much I know. For so long, for so long, for so long, I, uh, I lived the life God knows, but I do believe I was saved. Okay. From way back or From way back. From 11 years old. Oh, wow. Grew up in a good home. And uh, you're not on yet, are you? I am. Yeah? Well, I can, oh. cut, I can cut it out. Okay. I just figured this is, now it feels as natural as possible. Well. You are uh, even pouring coffee. Maybe, uh, maybe you want to start for, for uh, yeah, I wasn't. <laughs> Well, I just remember um, you guys from growing up, right? Ernie is a little bit younger than I am. Uh -huh. And you guys lived across the road there in, in Mount Salem. Right. And then um, your wife's parents lived right there and they're related to us, right? Yes, yes. And so there was always a little connection, but we didn't have much to do with each other. You guys just lived there. We lived here and I didn't... You guys went to Mount Salem Church, I think, right. at the time. Yeah. 
Yeah, for 20, I believe 23 years, we attended that church. Okay. It was nearby, very convenient for the children, for the youth. Yeah. It's all very convenient. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, but another connection that we have is, uh, with the Blatz is from the Froze side. My parents were very involved with uh, your Uncle John. Oh, right. The Hornblots. Yeah. He died in that farming accident. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh, during the time that Neil, their oldest son, Mm-hmm. That's alive. Uh, was born. My uh, my uh, parents were very involved with him, and uh, and yeah, they uh, he actually worked for my dad for quite a while. Okay, John did. Yeah, my uncle John. Yeah, yeah, and uh, sold him a pickup truck and, and so on. Yeah. Okay, so maybe you know, I mean, you're a generation older than me, probably about thirty some odd years old. Well, I'm born in sixty three. Sixty three, and I'm born in eighty two, so twenty years. 20 years. 20 years. I'm, yeah. I just turned 40. Okay, okay. And you'll be 60 soon. I'll be 60 soon. There you yeah. go. So you're yeah. a little younger than way. I thought. Yeah, yeah, I am, uh, yeah, uh, September. Okay, I'm in September as well. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Okay. So if you, you say you got probably got saved at, at age of 11. Well, my my upbringing was, and I should maybe start from from my dad. Okay. Because it, it, it's a big, a big part of... My story. The uh, the Alt Colony Church had it's even in history books. They had two good teachers in the beginning. They were in Mexico. Okay. My dad was fortunate to be uh, under one of them. So my dad had was well educated. Most even as an old colony man. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I went to the Kleingemeinde school, and when I was at my highest grade. my dad had no problem doing the math and that kind of thing. Uh, in fact, some of the things that a teacher couldn't do, I would bring home. My dad did it. I would bring it back to school, and the teacher would say, "Well, how did he come up with the answer? Okay. The answer is right, but how did?" He? And uh, so, yeah, he was well educated. And also, uh, I asked him one time, "When did you start reading the Bible?" And he answered this way: He said, "I never stopped." Okay. I said, "Dad, but as an all colony boy, it's not normal." As an Auckland youth, you would read the Bible? He says, yes, I was. And But uh, about uh, 12 years or so before I was born, he actually accepted Christ. Hmm. Not through another church or anything like that. I do believe he was excommunicated because of uh, Robert Tyres. There was a, a, a drought, and that's also in the history books in 1951, 52, 53. And he was just recently born. Uh, married, mm-hmm. and uh, so it was. A, it was a difficult time. MCC came and helped them, and, and so forth. But then uh, to hold water from a distance, from thirty kilometers away, with steel tires, or with horses, yeah, and it was long hills in between. And so uh, uh, he would put rubber tires on, and he would hold water for his neighbors, also for the minister, okay, <laughs> and their cattle. But when it rained, they excommunicated him, and it was difficult for him. So while it was dry, they let him go ahead with it? Yes. Because they needed the water. Yes. <laughs> yeah. They all needed each other, right? Exactly. But once they didn't need each other quite as much, and this was their rule, right? I mean, they, they didn't yeah. go beyond their rule. Yeah. It, was their, it was their system. So, uh, but it pushed my dad to search scripture deeper. Okay. And one time out on the field with the tractor, he knelt down beside the tractor and he accepted Christ. Just from reading the Bible Just from reading the Bible. Like, this was long before the days where he would have heard a message on the radio or anything like that. Totally, totally. 
just just about it. Amazing. And so uh, then they moved to Santa Rita when I was three years old, 1966. I believe you were, which part of Mexico were you in before? Well, it was uh, near uh, near Coquimbo. Okay. And then Santa Rita is Santa Rita is, uh, is about uh, 100 kilometers north. North. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It was a new colony was bought, and uh, so uh, then then uh, he moved his family there. Uh, we were poor, uh, and, and so on. But uh, then the uh, the old colony didn't stay there very long. Then they left. The leadership and so forth left, and there was no school and no church. And so my dad and two other uh, uh, men from the uh, area went to the Klein Gemeinde in Hawaii's and asked them to bring school to their children. Okay. And so uh, so they did. One one uh, farmer donated some land at the end of our uh, village, and, and there they built a, first in the in Kampa 86, they built a school there. And then the, uh, and that resulted in later becoming a Zingstern, and then and later it resulted in a church. So the, the Italian men knew what they were doing. They were trying to oh, wit- I think witness so. to the old colony people. Yes, and, the, and this is their way of, like, they would not go out on missions. But this was their system of doing missions. Mm-hmm. And they've been very successful in doing that. Uh, and it was like a long-term, right? Where they're yes. trying to reach the next generation. Yes. Yeah, that's so cool. My best friend from youth is still the pastor <coughs> at that church. Okay. They built a great big church. And, uh, and uh, yes, my best friend is uh, is, uh, is the pastor there, Peter Lowe. So, anyway, uh, and then, uh, yeah. I was sent to school. A little bit interesting story in, in here. Uh, <laughs> the it was not very important for them to register their children they were born or marriage marriage certificates and all that stuff. Too. We were far from the city and, and so but then they forgot when my birthday was. And so they started sending me to school. They didn't know for sure how old you were. No. And then they uh, and then my uh, grandfather had written it down in his Bible. Okay. And then they realized after sending me to school already for a few months that I, uh, I was actually too young. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they kept on sending me, but uh, but that resulted in me being always the youngest one in my class. Okay. I did this, the, the last grade, I did it twice. And I was the second youngest. Still, even Still. though? Wow. So you were two most, years behind. Most guys, and, and they... And they uh, uh, and the lower grade were older than I was. Now this put me in a in a in a in a place where I didn't know exactly where I belonged. Yeah. On Sunday and and youth or whatever, like, well, these were the guys from the younger grade, but those were really my age. Yeah. And but the guys that I was in, in school with, well, they were two years older. Old for you, right? Yeah. So that. Uh, and part was good, and part it gave me a struggle. Yeah. But anyway, um, I was 11 years old. Well, I should back up a little bit. My my dad, he would sing songs with his family in the morning, and he would read the Bible to them in the morning and so mm-hmm. forth. And I learned just as far as I can think back, just to love God. I was free as a bird. I had no. Um, I didn't feel condemned or nothing. I just thought God loved us and we loved him and so on. Interesting. Almost every old colony person I interview and talk to say that they grew up going to bed scared a lot of times. The thunderstorms, they were just terrified. They thought God was going to kill them at any moment. Yeah. And, and no, I just loved God and I knew God loved me. 
That's awesome. Until, uh, well, I had uh, I had an accident. I don't know if that resulted, if, if that brought about uh, my my neck problems and my my nerve problems. My uh, I felt uh, I felt very emotional at maybe at around ten years old and so on. I fell into a bridge, uh, and then uh, yeah, I had a concussion there, and I had okay uh, and. Uh, we never did go to the doctor to have it uh, looked after, but uh, but uh, yeah, whether that was it or not, I don't know. But anyway, um, but at 11 years old, we had just come back. We went to Canada uh, to work here for uh, for the summer. Ontario. Yep. Yep. And then went back, and then uh, some of our friends came over, and uh, so the Hildebrands came over. My dad and his dad had gone to school together. Uh, you hear quite a bit about Pastor Hildebrand. Okay. And he's and he's a bit older than I am. So they were over one evening, and I don't even know if we talked about God that evening. But that evening, I said to, to Henry, from this night on, I am God's. Hmm. I, I, I understood a little bit more about salvation and so on. But that's where the struggle started. That's where the struggle oh, started. That's where the struggle started. I wish I could have stayed like it was as a child. Yeah. But I didn't tell anybody. And uh, man, at, at 12 years old, uh, I had a total nervous breakdown. Hmm. Uh, my, my, my head started uh, to, you know, I had no self-control in my head. My eyes started doing this. Is that you know, right? And, uh, and then they came, uh, this, this went on. It started slowly and, and more frequent, more frequent. It would last maybe for a minute or so. More frequent, more frequent. And then... Uh, I didn't know this, but uh, hey, I got to I got to go with my dad to go pick him up one day. He got up like uh, three o'clock in the morning and so on, and uh, he was shipping uh, grain for for the farmers. What he did not know is my mom didn't want to keep me at home. She didn't know what this was. What what up this young fella? Mm -hmm. Why is he acting this way? And so uh, you know, I I didn't have no control, and and but when it was over, it was all over. But, it happened sometimes at night during the time I was sleeping, and uh, so my head almost was, like a seizure type yeah. thing or something. My head was going to the side like this, and I would just turn west to see if it end somewhere, and, but it never ended. I could even turn around all the way, but never ended. So anyway, um, then on this trip to Kukemok, all of a sudden it never stopped, and then I was talking to my dad, and my voice started doing funny things. Everything sounded like a question. I had no control over it. Hmm. I asked my dad, is that Kuk Temo? And then, this scared me. Yeah. And so, uh, I would ask some questions just to try see if it was already in my head. I would do this every now and then. And, but it was dark in the truck. My dad didn't see it. And all of a sudden, it was all out. I, uh, I felt like I couldn't uh, breathe and... And I, I yelled, put the windows down, put the windows down, and I, I just yelled, and I, uh, and from there on, I couldn't talk anymore. And so, uh, yeah, full, full nervous breakdown. That was a twelve. That could have very likely been a result of the concussion. Yeah. And uh, so went to the doctor, and it all went better. And uh, but part of it was also struggles. Internally. I. Understood that now that you confess to be a Christian, now you got to be perfect. Mm. I 
I had somehow gathered that from the time that I'm born again, Jesus will forgive me everything. I didn't understand the part that the wages of sin is death. Somebody had to pay for the sin with death. Mm -hmm. I understood it more that it had to be forgiven. Right. Like if I ask you, uh, I've, I've done some bad to you, and you ask me to forgive me, you can forgive me. The Lord doesn't forgive. The sin has to be paid for. Mm -hmm. Well, I, I thought about this quite a bit lately. The, the idea of forgiveness, it always costs somebody. So let's say True. You, you pulled yeah. in and you scratched my van really badly, got a big $1,000 scratch on the side, and I said, you know what, Peter, just forget about it. I forgive you completely. Yeah. Who's going to eat the cost? But, but somebody's going to eat the cost. Exactly. So G God ate the cost of our sin, right? He yeah. Had Jesus take exactly. the punishment. So I wish I would have understood it a little yeah. better at that time. Did, was but your dad explaining things at all? Well, no, it was, the whole gospel thing was still a bit of a shy thing. Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time, my dad was a bit disappointed that there, I don't know what, what holiday it was, but there was no church service, and he would have wished that there would be. So, well, we would sing and read the Bible at home, and then he says, well, today we're going to all kneel down to pray. And that felt very awkward to me, very weird, because this had never happened before. And mm -hmm. That kind of, you know, we were kind of shy about, about yeah. God and the gospel. So even though we did sing and we did read the Bible and so on, but uh, hey, just behave or that kind of thing. That was more yeah. the regular yeah. teaching at home. Yeah. Um, so uh, When I was quite young in Mount Salem, you remember Charles Friesen? He was an old colony Sunday school teacher. I do. Yeah. I do. And so yeah. we went to their house one time. I was invited for a vacation Bible school. And we were very old colony, right? And they had already left old colony. But my parents trusted him a little bit. So they sent me over there. And then there, the kids were praying. And they would, you know, get together in a circle and talk about God and Jesus. And it was all very weird to me. Because mm -hmm. it's okay to believe that. But you don't talk about it. Yeah. You don't yeah. publicly. At that time, you feel very. Yeah. yeah. This is weird. It's strange. It's very, very much so. Yeah. Were you still old colony then at this? No, eleven, twelve years old. No, we were already, already uh, Klein Okay. Yeah, and uh, and so yeah, I attended that school. We, I do believe that in in, in the Klein Gemini school we learned more about Jesus and, yeah. and, and Bible stories and so forth. Uh, so that was all. Uh, that was all good. A good school, good teachers, and uh, but yeah, this. Uh, I, I I wish at this time that somebody could have pull that out of me, like ask me in enough questions, why are you struggling the way you are? Mm -hmm. But I was very much uh, often alone for myself because I didn't want anybody to notice. And oh my, I, uh, I almost lost my mind. That's mm -hmm. how much I worried. Oh, like how do I deal with these sins now that I've done after? Yeah. And they could be as little as uh, when somebody told a joke that wasn't uh, good. And I would laugh a little bit. Oh, I lost my my Christianity. I, God forgave me the past ones, now what do I do with But this? what do I do with these? And uh, oh, and so one night I'm in my in my room and I pray God. And I don't do this very often, but this evening I said to God, can you give me a scripture that applies to my struggles that I know? And he did. I do believe he did. Mm -hmm. I opened the Bible and it was Psalm 32. Okay. And and, uh, and there he talks about that, about the, the sin forgiven and all that. And uh, man, I uh, I didn't trust it. Mm. 
didn't, I couldn't. Like some people, even today, they ask me, what would I got a new name? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I see it in scripture. But, oh, but the, the, so finally, at 16, I um, just kind of let go a little more. I, my, my friends, they were all having fun, and they enjoyed, and they, they started talking girls and all mm-hmm. that. And they, they were together on a Sunday. I was the youngest of them. I wasn't together with them. I, I didn't have exactly a group that I that I fit in. Right, because so, school issue. Yeah, when I was with the older ones, I mean, they, uh, they, uh, my, my dad would every now and then ask when I would come home, so what did you talk about and so forth. Well, I didn't want to tell them that we talked about girls and so forth. Because you were still quite young. <laughs> but uh, obviously he knew at this age uh, that's their mind and that's their, uh, you know. And uh, But anyway, uh, but then uh, one Sunday we had gone to uh, to, to uh, the Mexican village, we were going to buy some beer. We didn't find any, we, didn't, we weren't able to get any beer, but uh, anyway, on our way back home, the, the driver, one of the, one of the boys pushed the driver's steering wheel a little bit onto the field and damaged a little bit of crop there and so forth. And, uh, and, my, uh, and then somebody came over that Monday and told my dad about it. And uh, my dad was very upset. Mm-hmm. I had been in there, and so on. Um, my my older brother had had kind of gone on the, on the wildlife, and so he so wanted to protect me that I wouldn't go in the same way. And, and, and now, now it looked like you. And now it looked like here he goes. Troublemaker. He didn't say that, but that's what I'm thinking. Right. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, he was very very upset that Monday, and so. Uh, and he, uh, I thought he was sleeping almost all day. He had told me during the day, after this man left, that brought the bad news, uh, that I would get a spanking beating. As a grown boy. As a 16-year-old boy. Yeah. But I do understand today that he said that out of, that, that uh, he had just received information, being upset, disappointed, and he said it out of that. And uh, so in the evening, uh, I went to bed early, and I figured maybe this way I'll, I'll get out of it. Yeah. But my dad had spent most of the day in the bedroom, hmm. and uh, I thought he was sleeping almost all day. Uh, today, I'm thinking it, it could be that he was praying. Yeah. Because uh, uh, if I all of a sudden get emotional, then you'll have to turn off the video. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when I tell the story, it, uh, it can get emotional. But anyway, he, uh, um, yeah, he came into my room that night, that yeah, night, that yeah. night when, after I lay down and he talked ever so softly mm. and that just did too much to me that uh, I mean that did way more than a spanking would have done right so but it, it, it did something to my nervous system as well that evening that whole thing was back that I had experienced at 12 mm. and and uh, just the, like the the fear and the panic or the actual the, the actual the actual, okay, it started this way. I felt like I was getting the cramp in my whole body. Mm. And I was trying to scream for help. And I could hear myself just a little bit, and I went unconscious. And I didn't wake up until 9 o'clock in the morning. Mm. My parents had already got, tried to get some help and got the neighbors over, and they were all in my room. By the time I, I came to consciousness again, uh, the room was full of people and so on. And, uh, and they took me to the doctor and, and uh, sought medical help again. 
and uh, so uh, from there on, I uh, I wanted to live right again. Mm-hmm. There was a little bit of a time where I uh, I'm going to live like my friends, lose, yeah. and so from here on, I wanted to live right again. But uh, for the for the first little bit, maybe for about two weeks, uh, it had so uh, put uh, tension on my on my brain that I wasn't sure whether I was real or dreaming. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't clear. Uh, so that was a difficult time. But then um, at 18, so I was 18, and my dad had good trust in me. He would let me drive truck and all that. And so life was fairly good. And then I uh, started dating uh, Mary, which is now my wife. Yeah. And, uh, and so, again, a, a bit of a struggle I could probably put in here. The, uh, the Hildebrands that at this time started to go to the Church of God and, and Neustadt, which was a good hour drive. And I would often go with them because I was friends with the boys. And, and so I would often go with them to that church. Like the Gottes Humanity? Yep. Okay. Yep. And uh, one thing that I should add in here, even before that, maybe at, at uh, 15, to believe it was, uh, I would already go with them every now and then, and so uh, they had evening services, and uh, good evening services, good preaching, solid preaching that I had not uh, not heard very often, you know, and um, so uh, good singing, and then the altar call was made, and, and you know, I'll, I thought maybe maybe here I can deal with my yeah. sins, so I'm going forward. And, uh, well, I wish now that the person that came to pray with me or that came to counsel me would have asked whether I was already saved or not. But he assumed I wanted to get saved. Yeah. And so uh, um, I, I, would, I would tell him that my, my things that I struggled the most with, and those were maybe my, my two or three top sins that I committed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do understand today that if your salvation is based on that you tell your sin to somebody, then you would have to tell all of them, Yeah. which is impossible. Right. Far you'd, impossible. You'd be sitting there listing sins all day, right? Right. And uh, and so, uh, and but anyway, and but he probably did his best. But anyway, I told him a few of my, my things and, and, and then he uh, showed me some scripture verses and we prayed. And then I walked out. And I, at the time, I felt good. I felt like I had done the right thing. That's right, yeah. There's a, like a psychological release, right? Where your brain says, yeah. okay, now I've done it. Maybe this is it. And you feel this. Release. You know, you build up to it. You build up to it. That's you build right. up to it. I'm, I'm, I, I can't do it. I can't do it. All of a sudden, you, you, you gather all your strength that you have and you and go. The, at the altar call, there's this big emotional plea, right? So you exactly. walk forward yeah. in the midst of everybody. You know you're doing something big. Yeah. And you get this release. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> And uh, but only only to find out already on the way home, uh, I, I, I I should have told him in a little more details. Yeah, I didn't quite. You know, I, I was so ashamed of what I've done. I should have given him a little more details. And right. struggle, I forgot about talking about this sin or that sin, right? I, and the struggle was back on. Yeah, and for two weeks maybe or so, then you know, then then you're back to the old person you were, and so. Uh, Anyway, I got, uh, then the struggle came about uh, being baptized. Now the, the Gemini Gottes 
they were baptized by immersion, mm -hmm. and uh, saying that it, that was the only right way of baptizing, and the client demanded they did by pouring water. So a bit of struggle there, but then uh, I got baptized with the client demanded by pouring uh, by pouring and, and so and I had a girlfriend and times were good. I uh, I was teaching the local school. I started that at a very young age. I was only eighteen, and I uh, and I was a school teacher. Okay. And uh, it was a bit, bit of a difficult thing getting used to it and getting into it and so forth. But uh, but uh, it was good. Plot teach or hirt teach? Hirt uh, teach. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so I had a girlfriend. I was teaching. I had my own vehicle by by this time, and uh, so nineteen a little bit little bit before I was twenty. Got married, wonderful wife, and you know, God brought a, a wife in my life that has that is completely opposite from from me in this way. Mm -hmm. So He knew what He was doing. Uh, I could I could uh, go into that a little bit there too on, on our dating starting and all that, but I don't know if need to need to do that or not. Well, it's up to you, but uh, if it's relevant to your your story, gladly. Well, uh, yeah, I'll just make it totally short. Uh, I was very much in that I, I prayed and I wanted God to give me the girl that that uh, he knew that I should have. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and then here I had, I had thought of different girls and there was definitely one girl that I thought that I would get married to and so forth. And, uh, and uh, we were also good friends and the whole family knew it and so forth, but I just figured I wasn't old enough yet. And so, uh, but uh, then all of a sudden, this girl comes along. I meet her and, and uh, we started dating. And I was just clear in my mind, I'll just date this one, whether it's God's will or not. How foolish. But uh, anyway, uh, that's what I did. And so uh, just maybe five or six Sundays into it, it just, it just didn't click. It just wasn't fun. It just uh, wasn't working. Didn't feel right. And so uh, I went back and I went on my knees and said, God, I am, I'm apologizing for being such a fool. Hmm. All this time I have prayed to you and here I am going to turn my mind against you and do what I want to do. And so, uh, man, that next time I met Mary, it was like uh, totally different. I realized it was God's will. My 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 mind wasn't right. Mm. So anyway, uh, got married and, and uh, after a year, son and moved to Canada. That would have been like eighty two, eighty three. That was uh, we got married in eighty three, and we moved to Canada in eighty four. Okay. So uh, not knowing how long we would be here, Mary was a Canadian citizen, and through her, I had a chance to become a Canadian citizen too. So I figured we'll get that cleaned up and then we'll go from there. But then, yeah, we've been here ever since. Okay. First church we so started. Ernie was born here or born in Mexico? Ernie was six weeks old when we uh, okay. traveled to Canada. Yeah. 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 We had one uh, one crop. We did a little bit of farming. I uh, After we got married, I did again. Uh, taught another year of, of school. And so, uh, so that was good. Anyway, uh, I don't know how much of my life I need to add in here. The first four years were at the EMMC, and I was very quickly involved with Summer teaching. Corners. Yeah. Okay. I was very quickly involved with uh, teaching Sunday school. 
and, uh, and uh, was in the mission board and so forth. So I was involved pretty much immediately. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but then the EMM, the EMC in Mount Salem started to grow, and more and more friends came from Mexico and attended that church, and uh, so then it seemed right to uh, go to that church. So, so we did, and we were there for twenty-three years. Uh, so what I would like to get at is during this whole time, uh, I was involved in many different ways in church, uh, as far as uh, song leader. Uh, adult Sunday school teacher. Uh, different boards, probably. Different boards, a number of different boards. And and uh, deacon. Went to Bible school and studied for a three-month uh, term and so on. But during the time that uh, I was adult Bible school teacher, this was still in the early stages in the early days that we were at Mount Salem, I come across this verse in Acts 13.39. And that's where things start rolling in my head. Because until now, my Christian life was kind of a a maintenance program. Uh, I, I try not to sin, and when I sin, I Ask God for forgiveness, mm-hmm. and and uh, some depends on the on, on, on how big the sin was. How much you know, penance you have to do? <laughs> three days, you know, really serious, uh, and 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 really uh, be sad about it and all that, and then uh, and then and then go from there. But by now, God must have forgiven me. I had nothing to exactly point a finger on that I knew. Right. But by now God must have forgiven. You, you have this concept of God that he must be forgiving, but I have to be really sorry first. So I'm going to yeah. beat myself up for a few days yeah. and hopefully yeah. I'll have done enough, right? Yeah. But we, yeah. we think that sin is so easily taken care of, right? You know, it, it seems to me it's a, a, it, it compares a little bit with the Old Testament they had to do offerings. Exactly, yeah. They had to bring this shit. They had to do something. But at least they knew they had to offer blood. Where you and I thought we could just be really sorry. Yeah. yeah. But that's not nearly enough. You need no, blood. No. Without the shedding of blood, well, there exactly. is no remission, right? Exactly. Acts 13, 39. By him, all that believe are justified from all things from which he could not be justified by the law of Moses. That's the verse? That's the verse. But in, in, in high German, which okay. we use at that time, it's much shorter. Okay. It simply says, Wer an diesem glaubt, der ist gerecht. Uh-huh. If I would translate it into English, whoever believes in this one, is righteous. Right. And you know, a warm feeling came through me. And I thought, could it be? Because my life was not what I what I deep inside thought what it should be. Um and so uh, but this verse. I have no idea what I taught that Sunday at Sunday school. But something about it stood out. But that verse stuck in me. Hmm. There was such a warm feeling came through me. Could it be? And I read that verse again. That whoever believes in this one is righteous. Mm. And I gave it a lot of thought. Yeah. So I have no idea what went on from there. But 20 years later, I'm still, you know, this, the, some of the sin 
looked very attractive that the sinners were allowed to do, mm-hmm. that I wasn't allowed to do. Uh, and and uh, sometimes I would get just close enough, I could smell it kind of thing. Like, uh, and, then, and then it would beg God for forgiveness. But it was no fun. Mm-hmm. Something in you, inside you already, didn't allow you to really enjoy what others seemingly were having fun doing. Right. Yeah. So I asked one, uh, one pastor, about 20 years later, after, after this, uh, about, about 12 years ago, I asked this one pastor, I said, am I missing something? We were serving as deacons, and I had brought messages, we had been in Bible school, uh, and, and so on, and I had, I had preached, and I had taught Sunday school and all that, and... and uh, but You'd mostly am, raised your kids already? Am I missing, yeah. Am I missing something? And this pastor looked at me as, like, what are you talking about? But something that I heard, somewhere in a message, just something as, as if my mind understood that there's something missing. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, obviously this was a daily thing. And I'll just go right to the point where, uh, okay, we uh, it was a lot of struggle in, in Salem Church at that time. So, so uh, a number of friends had left that church. Had, uh, had really, now I'll say this: that church has really grown again. But there was a, a time where many people left, yeah. and uh, we were probably one of the last ones to leave from all those that, that left during that time. And so, uh, we we uh, I felt very very burnt out. Uh, very very drained and I even I thought I would never I had already read through the Bible a number of times there was a six-month period okay that was after we came back from Bible school I told Mount Salem they had scheduled me in to, to preach for the next two Sundays mm-hmm. and I said no I, I, I won't in fact I will resign from everything and I uh, and we quit going to church there. Oh boy. already well, we stayed in Mexico two weeks longer than, uh, than we needed to for Bible school because I felt so burnt out. Perhaps I did things in Mexico that were more my plans than God's plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did some, some preaching there the one weekend. I, okay, we were, we were the, uh, the, the parents for the boys in Bible school. So we had 40 boys under an, an our department. Okay. And so... Uh, uh, and then it was almost full time studying. So that was. Uh, uh, it was a lot to take in. A lot to take in. And then, and then also, yeah, I took on some some preaching uh, uh, engagements. Yeah. The one weekend I did uh, three different uh, events. And and uh, and it was too much. So anyway, uh, we come back two weeks later. And I cannot feel myself. I cannot feel. Am I discouraged? I didn't. Until then, I would argue that a Christian doesn't burn out. And so here I am. Uh, I cannot feel. Am I discouraged? I don't want to see a book. I don't want to read nothing. For six months, I never read nothing. Mm. I don't want to see nothing. I don't want to read no books. I didn't. I couldn't feel. Am I sick? Am I healthy? Am I? Am I discouraged? Am I okay? I, I, it felt like I had lost that sense of feeling. That I knew where it was. Okay. Very uncomfortable. I thought it would never. And this is about 12, 15 years ago? Yeah. Somewhere in that range? Yeah. During the time that we left Monsanto Church. And uh, 
I had so enjoyed being involved. And here, we don't have a home church. We run from church to church. We visited a number of churches, and I did realize that a number of different churches, the gospel is being preached. That was very encouraging. But, uh, yeah, it, uh, it was a, a difficult time. And then, uh, but things... Uh, things started to change and so uh, we came to uh, Purple Road's uh, church to Lighthouse okay. and uh, by this time I was my, my, my burnout was over I had, I had I heard a radio in the States on a person who had been burnt out and how he got help okay. now that helped me a great deal just simply to know that I was burnt out and so uh, that helped me a great deal to deal with it so anyway, we attend uh, Purple uh, Church. Was Henry Weep still there preaching yep. then at that time? Yeah. Okay. And uh, so I uh, now they have once a week they have, they have prayer meeting, and one and then they at prayer meeting they the first they are in a, in a big group and they talk about what they're going to pray about and so forth, but then they divide into small groups. Yeah. Uh, two, three, four people, and then they, they, they pray for each other, and then they pray for items that were brought up yeah. uh, in, the, in the group. And so here, I share with Henry that, uh, that my, my struggle, my, my doubts, and, and, and so forth. And so, uh, so he, he just gave me uh, some very simple words. He said, you haven't done good enough, but Jesus has done good enough for you. Amen. And uh, so that stuck with me. So, uh, but anyway, my, my, my life continued for a few months, uh, and then uh, one day I, I just, uh, I had to cross Buffalo, go into the U.S., and there at the duty-free, I stopped my truck, I went into the bunk, and, and here is, uh, I had just decided I would just call the Christian life off. It just is no fun, it's, uh, there's fun times in it, but it's just difficult. It's such a maintenance thing, and you never know for sure. And when, like, um, there's this, uh, oh yeah, is it uh, Matthew seven twenty one? Uh, not all those who will say Lord, Lord will. Uh, and I always thought that could be me. Mm. And uh, oh, then in church sometimes this song was was sung. My chains are gone. I've been set free. Right. And my wife would just sing it with a full throat and a smile on her face. And I would hold back a bit, eh? I'm not sure if I'm not totally free, eh? It's not totally me. It's not totally me. And uh, now she's not into deep Bible study, into... But she, she simply trusted. She says, just give me Jesus and I'm, and I'm, and I'm good to go. Right. And, and uh, no, she does, sometimes when we talk deep things, she'll say, uh, hey... Uh, Probably quite mean cups of orange drink like that. Like, yeah, <laughs> give me Jesus and we're good. Yeah, and so, uh, but I could see her. My chains are gone, I've been set free. Oh. I know a lot more about the Bible than you do. <laughs> and why she, are you so free? Why right? are you so free? So, here at the um, at the border, bottom of the duty free, I, probably, I went to my bunk and I was going to call her off. I simply prayed to God, God, it's not working. I said, well, maybe it's working for some people. 
Maybe I just wasn't the chosen one. Mm. It's just not working. So I'm done. And I was just calling my Christian life off completely. I didn't want to go into sin or that kind of thing. Right. I just I do, I just didn't want to stop this, pouring your life into distress it. anymore. I was just going to live my life easy and done. And uh, so I prayed to God and I said to God, uh, these words, you know I've done everything I knew how. Mm-hmm. And it's not working. And I was going to call it uh, Amen and Daniel. Mm-hmm. But before I did that, I still remember I raised my hands, unless you have something for me. <laughs> I, I had not planned to say these things. <laughs> Finally looking to the right spot. Eh? <laughs> I had not planned yeah. to say these words. But uh, I don't remember what went on from there, but I knew one thing. My life had completely changed. Mm. Reading the Bible from there on, then, it just, as if God just opened up scripture after scripture. For example, I'll, I'll, I'll mention a few. Uh, the, the Christmas story, we've just gone through Christmas. The Christmas story. When, when uh, the angel comes and meets Joseph after Joseph contemplated to leave Mary, mm-hmm. he says, no, don't do that. I think it's Matthew 1, 28 or 27, something like that. Uh, don't leave her. She's going to bring forth a child. And you're supposed to call him Jesus. And he will save his people from their sins. Yep. Now listen to what it says. And he, okay, it completely puts everything on him. Right. And I saw this, eh? And he, second word, will. He's going to do something. He's, he's not asking for your help. Yeah. He will and save. So what, what does the word mean, save? Say when you're in a burning house and somebody pulls you out of the burning house, sets you away from that. You are not in danger of that burning house. Right. You are out of it. He will save us. Man, that not so much. From what? From their sins. From their sins. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, for example, Second uh, Corinthians, uh, oh, First Romans, eh? First Romans. Oh, I mean, according to my standards, I wasn't quite as bad as, as he points out in chapter 3, uh, you know, how bad we really mm-hmm. are in God's eyes. But, uh, man, then further on in that uh, scripture, he says that, uh, God gives us his righteousness. Yeah. And then I ask myself, well, was he righteous? Well, of course. How is it that a sinful person can enter? Well, no sin goes to heaven. That we had already read. Yeah. So that means he takes away all my sins. Every single one. And, and he calls you righteous. And he calls me righteous. And, and I read that. And then I read... Uh, uh, six chapter six, you know, well, the whole chapter. Uh, well, I mean, in between as well. But then uh, Corinthians, Saint Corinthians five twenty one. Yeah, one of my favorites. And then I got a picture in my head. Okay, it says that God made him sin who knew of no sin, and so he could have his righteousness. So anyway, a picture that I'm, I'm hoeing a row in the field. Mm-hmm. I've done that quite a bit at a younger age. And the deal is, in my picture, that if you leave some weeds, you have to die at the end. Only if you do it perfect, you will live. And I'm not very far down the road, and I know that I've left some. Mm -hmm. 
I know I've sinned. We all know that. You, you don't need to tell somebody that you're a sinner, right? So I know I've sinned. You can't go back. Can't go back. That's the deal. You can only go once. Can't go back. There's no hope. Yeah. I have to die. And then Jesus, and here it opened up why Jesus had to live a perfect life. He comes right beside me with a completely clean robe. He rose a perfect robe. And then he says, you want to switch? Yeah. You can have my robe. I'll take your place. Amen. Now he's in the role where there's weeds. Yep. And he had to die. The thing is, I had to give him my past and I had to give him my future. Amen. Not just the past. Yeah. I had to give him my future. That's right. My plans and, and my sin or whatever is the future I had to give up. I switched roles. Mm. I'm in his role now. You got all that he earned, all the work that he's done, all his righteousness is now yours. Right. But he, he has to take your sin. And he switched. And he had to take my, my mess. Mm -hmm. And he offered it to me. I mean, that's what the word says, right? Just scripture like that. Oh, man. I, well, so I just think about your time in the truck there where you're like, God, look, I've done all this for you. Like, but look at your role. It's not good enough. You, you haven't hoped well. But <laughs> Why I did didn't everything. it be better? Well, it's not good enough. Look at the role Jesus did. That's how it's supposed to be done. Yeah, yeah, amen. Unless you've got something for me, you know, he does. He's got that perfect I, role. I didn't even know what I was saying. No, I get it. But today, I, you know, this was, now, Peter, I've been waiting for this. Eh? Mm -hmm. God could say, Peter, I've been waiting for this. I've been, I've, been, I've been ready to help you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and uh, yeah, oh, man, then uh, uh, I'll just mention one more uh, Hebrews. Man, you know, Hebrews, oh, Hebrews is where, so good, right? Where Jesus, well, well first you, you read about the temple in heaven. Mm -hmm. And and uh, but Jesus is there with his blood. Where God says, that's where I will deal, you know, from the uh, from the mercy seat. That's where I'll deal with my people. And Jesus is there with his blood. Mm -hmm. And then you get to 9 and 10. Oh, I love those chapters. You know, it's, the old system was only a shadow yeah. of the new to come. And then twice it says there, uh, once and for all. Right. He made one sacrifice for sins forever. Yeah. And he sat down. He's not going to come back and, and do another one. Yeah. So uh, anyway, obviously it was a time. It wasn't that one evening where... Yeah. where and you know, I'm still, I'm still uh, learning. I'm still, I'm still excited on how much more is there that I didn't see. But now it's no longer like... Um... An excitement as trying to get rid of something or deal with something. You're trying to learn more about who he is, growing in grace and knowledge of the Lord. Well, Jesus says in John 17, uh, eternal life is knowing him. Yeah. So now you can work from a standpoint of knowing I am 100% fully accepted today and I will be tomorrow and I, I forever, you know. Yeah. But I want to learn and grow and understand more. I find it now, just talking with people, that so easy we, we are focused on sin. Mm -hmm. And that makes our life miserable. Yeah. When we don't need to be. What should we focus on? Oh man, we should focus on, on Jesus. Have our eyes on him. Mm -hmm. uh, get to know him through his word. Right. We can we can to a certain extent we can get to know him through nature and and uh, and uh, through his word. I mean get excited about his word. Through nature, we can understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. We can understand that somebody put this all together. But through His Word, we get the revelation of who Jesus is and what yeah. He's done for yeah. us, right? Yeah. 
And that's where the, the apostles recommend that we grow in grace. So the moment I get saved, I'm as saved as I'll ever be. Like it, You couldn't save me any more than I am now. But I need to learn so much more. I need to grow in this understanding of grace, right? Amen. So, yeah. No, and you can lay your head on the pillow in the evening and not, oh God, can you forgive? Can you forgive me? You know, I, I messed up again. Can you forgive me? Yeah. And, uh, and you know, I've been asking people, uh, which, which scripture leads you to do that? Yeah. And, and well, one person said to me, I don't need scripture for everything. And well, that might be true, but, uh, but this is an important thing. Uh, you know, there's there's more there's all kinds of things in the Bible about about prophecies about the, but to know that you're saved, I feel like that's that's the base. That all the rest of it that you want to learn, this is what you got to be very clear with. Yeah. And to know that when you lay your head on the pillow, and and God, I, I I messed up there, and and I'm so thankful that for that sin, you already paid for that's that right. too. The wages of sin is death. And you already took that sin on the cross. That's right. I'm so thankful for that, and 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 then turn from it. Yeah. You know, to uh, to uh, uh, people will tell me that. What do you say How do you say that name? Uh, like repentance. Repent. Yeah. You gotta repent. Well, of course. I asked this one man. I said, but but you wouldn't say that I'm supposed to hang my head for three days if there's people that that are on their way to to uh, get lost. Like, shouldn't you go help them? I can't. I need to do repentance I, first. Three days repentance. No, simply tell God, hey, look, that's the old me. That's not the new me. That's not who you created Thank me to you be. Thank you that you've already made provision for this. Thank you that you. that's not what you created me to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, uh, and, and so, uh, move on. Yeah. Move on. One of the things that really has stood out to me is, like, I've heard several preachers talk about this too, but which of your sins were in the future when Jesus died? Exactly. You know, like, exactly. was it just the ones you committed yesterday? Or is it every single sin you've ever every committed? Like it, he was, he was looking ahead and seeing all sin of all people, and he made one sacrifice for all those sins. And then he sat down. And he says, "I'm never going to need to offer a sacrifice again." And the only way I can think of that is that God is not in time. Right. Like we are, we are in created. We're stuck in this moment and and, and time, whereas God is not. Yeah. God is above. Like he, he's not affected by time. Yeah. Like we are. So I've often said this too, that one of the most humbling things you can do after you've committed a sin, after you've had a bad day, after you've messed up in some way, is to go to God and not beg for mercy, beg forgiveness. That's pretty easy to do because you know you feel bad and you're not feeling as bad as you should. Mm -hmm. One of the most humbling things to do is then to say, I feel really bad. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for what? Thank you that it's already dealt with. Thank you you that I don't need to do anything. In that that word, there's so much in that. eh? Yeah. When you say thank you, God, that, that means oh I trust. I accept yeah. that that's dealt with. That's right. There was blood, death paid for that sin. That's right. But you you have to agree with all of that when you say thank you for that's taking right. care of that sin. There was a couple of young guys that used to come to a church that I was a part of, and they were the most holy, quote unquote, most godly young men. They were teenagers, but they would live party life and drugs and girls and all that stuff. And then they would become extremely zealous. I mean, they would get up at four in the morning, read their Bible on their knees, begging God, praying to God. And then they'd come to church prayer meetings and they would cry out to God. And they'd say, oh God, help me. Oh God, mold me, shape me, move me. Help me to be like you are. And they, like they would plead with God, plead with God. And then three, four months go by and they were right back into sin. And this happened two or three times. True. And then I started to wonder, what is the difference here? And I realized I never once heard them say, God, thank you that you took care of my sin. 
It was always, God, make me more holy. Make me yeah. more godly. Help me to if be more. If you beg enough, it, uh, he's yeah. going to do it. There was no confidence that what Christ had done was sufficient. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and what, and what really uh, stood out to me is now that I understood this part of salvation. Now I go back and songs that we used to sing. It was all there. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> A, a, a little prayer that I, that that we were taught by our grandmother, uh, Christi Blut und Gerechtigkeit, is so profound. Yep. It's completely there. It's completely right. You know, when I was a little kid, that was one I couldn't understand High German very well, but I could kind of picture what I was saying. Das ist mir schmuck und Ehrenklecht. You know, I should be clothing myself with something. Yeah. Yep. His blood, his righteousness. What yep. What am I doing yep. here, right? Well, you know, he, he talks about the about the the, the dress that this one person came into a wedding that yeah. didn't have a wedding dress on but he did have a dress on mm -hmm. what kind of dress did he have on his own deeds that's right his own good trying his own you know and here's one more thing uh like in my younger years since i hadn't been as bad as i knew of some other guys yeah jesus says whoever has been forgiven much loves much mm -hmm. oh so maybe that's my problem Maybe I just haven't been forgiven I, for I, very much. I haven't been forgiven. And uh, today, uh, I do believe that my my selfish deeds to try to... I, I can't think of a worse sin mm. than to tell Jesus what you did, your life, your 30 years here on earth, and, and, and your treatment, what they, what they did to you, and all that, dying on the cross. I'll, I'll add a bit to it, or, or like, yeah. So, there, there, there's not, there's nothing I can do. To, uh, what's the word? To dishonor him more than right, that. Right, exactly. For the person who's just careless, and doing his own selfish things, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. But I was trying to earn salvation. That's I was trying to, and, in while earning salvation, rejecting his gift. Rejecting what he's done and saying, "Well, I don't think what the word, the work that Jesus did, is sufficient. I got to do something." That's what you're saying, right? Yeah, yeah. And I know even Jesus, on when he was on the earth, he said to the Pharisees, he says, "Sodom and Gomorrah will rise up in judgment against you, because you see me. I'm here. Jesus is here, standing in your midst, and you don't trust him. Those people, they were just wicked sinners. Yeah, they were committing homosexuality and all that stuff. Sure, but sure. they're going to be less judged than you are." And so that really woke me up when I, because I was a good boy, didn't drink, didn't do drugs, never smoked, never slept around, all that stuff. I was good, right? And when I realized how deep my sin was, and even my religion and my righteousness was filthy rags, then I knew I had been forgiven much. At that time, you can also love much. Eh? Exactly. At that time, you can. Wow, how yeah. how fortunate I am that you also. That's right. Sometimes young people think that if they had had a testimony where they did drugs or did you know some kind of abuse or murdered somebody and then come to Christ, then they would be more zealous. But then they're just not seeing themselves clearly enough. Exactly. You know, uh, we were in Mexico there in the, in the mountains. The uh, Rehab Center does, uh, has an event once a year. And I do believe that many people come to Christ. They have testimonies and, and, and good preaching and, and songs and so forth. And, they, and there's no cell phone service there. Mm. So it's maybe they did it on purpose. I don't know. I don't know if they knew when they planned it, but they've done it for a number of years already. And I know of, of uh, many people who have, who have uh, 
uh, found Christ through that. Okay. And so, uh, but the testimonies I heard, they were mostly that kind. And I thought, well, it would be good to uh, to have a testimony yet on a self-righteous person. Mm-hmm. There's enough of those as well. And I think they are as, as good as a person who... Now, mind you, the consequences here on earth might not be, you know, if you do drugs and drinking and all that, you might have more consequences than if you're a self-righteous person. Mm-hmm. That could be. Well, that's one of the things I've often ta- thought about now because we've trained our kids to be good. Mm-hmm. And they could end up being self-righteous. They could mm-hmm. end up thinking, well, of course I'm good. Of course God loves me. Look how good I am, right? And that would be a mistake on their part to see it that way. At the same time, I don't want them to go off living like the devil. So they need to come to the realization that I am sick. I am in need of help, right? That's one thing Jesus says that I didn't come for the for the righteous, but for sinners. A, a, do, a, a person who is healthy doesn't need a doctor, but those that are sick. He wasn't saying that some of the people there didn't need him. He was saying, until you realize that you need me, then I'm nothing to you. And so even my children who are good, quote unquote good, they have to come to the place where they realize I also desperately need a savior. Yeah. 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 Even Jesus' mother needed That's a right. That's right. So now this was with that moment in your truck, was that seven or eight years ago or something? That's about between nine and ten years ago. Nine and ten years yeah. ago. And uh, are you still attending Port Borough Church? No, we're not attending Port Borough Church. We went uh, to the EMMC, helped along there for a couple of years, and uh, with a German uh, group there. And so, uh, uh, but now for whatever reason, we are attending uh, Redemption. In London? In, in, uh, no, St. in St. Thomas. Okay. Uh, no, Jake Clausen from a small boy on. Yep. Knew his parents very well. We were best friends with, uh, with his parents. Mm-hmm. And so... Uh, uh, we, uh, we love their worship singing and also their teaching. But uh, some things, the way they do things, are, are new to us. Yeah. So we've been there now for a year. Uh, so we don't know for sure yet where we uh, where future is going to be. Yeah. But, uh, but you, you've, doing, you've been doing a fair bit of traveling too, like that, that conference in Mexico and things like that. You've gone all over and you've been sharing yeah. your testimony. and Sharing testimony. And, where you can. Uh, right, right at the moment, uh, what, I, what I really enjoy is uh, I'm in a, in a group of, of truckers. You know, and I've often thought these tr- truckers, you can't just tell every truck driver to stay home and, and so on. Now, I would very much encourage a truck driver when, when the children are growing up, uh, can't, shouldn't go away for, for a week and be home a day or two and then go, no. go on for a week. Uh, I would very much discourage that. But um, truck driving is part of our part of our society, part yep. of life, and so many of our uh, of our people, of our uh, Mennonites, drive truck. Yeah. And so, and I think they're good at it. And, uh, but what can we do? And you know, here I find a group that somebody else put together already a couple of years ago of truck drivers. A WhatsApp group. A WhatsApp group. Yeah. And it's, uh, nobody there uh, shares, unless they voluntarily want to share what, which church they're attending. Uh, you don't know and so uh, but uh, I share my testimony in there and I've uh, you know and some of the things that I've been, been sharing and the, the way I understood scripture like let's say for example like, when you talk about sin uh, and then the question comes up what do you do about uh, if, if you as a Christian sin and so forth and, well uh, first John chapter 2 uh, John writes that these things I've written to you that you do not sin but if 
And, to the Father. and then there is Jesus already with his blood at the Father. So far, he hasn't said nothing what you got to do. Yeah. Oh, and so a number of, uh, you know, we've just been able to talk about this, and I think uh, together we've been able to grow. Yeah. In the confidence, this one driver, he said to me that, man, I've been a Christian for a while, but this I never knew. That's right. And he says, I'm almost home. As soon as I'm home, I am going in to tell my wife. That's awesome. And... And, uh, yeah, they, these things have led to a lot of problems for people, the cell phones and the media and the technology and stuff. At the mm-hmm. same time, it's opened the door for us to be able to share the gospel farther and wider than ever before. And old calling Mennonites all across the globe now yeah. are tuning in. They're listening to WhatsApp. Yeah. They're sending yeah. messages. They're sharing the gospel through. I've had so many people contact me and say, could you do these messages in German? Could you share some of these? And I just like, my German is just not there. I can't do it, right? But there's a big need for it. Well, let's make a deal. You do them in, in English, and then you give them to me, and I'll You'll just translate. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, talk to Amanda today. Uh, he's not from your church or nothing, but he says I listen to a lot of uh, Dan's uh, podcasts. Okay. So, Appreciate so. that. So, uh, even my dad, you know, some years ago, it would never have listened to this kind of stuff, and now him and my mom both they they're like uh, online evangelists, right? They're always sending out gospel messages. And sharing with people, they're in groups and whatnot, right? So, and you know, more power to them because there might be somebody out there who is exactly the way you yeah. used to be, and I think that's why. In some of them, maybe I'm effective that uh, I know what I've struggled with, and I, mm-hmm. and you never know how many people out there are struggling the same way. Mm-hmm. And if they all of a sudden see, ah, when the light comes on, mm-hmm. wow! Yeah, amen. Well, I'm very encouraged by your story. Well, and I'm—it's uh, amazing that it took so many years of religion to finally come to the realization that it's—it's it's all his work, right? And you know, I—I th- I think part of this was also you had Peter Friesen here uh, a while ago, yeah, my my nephew, and uh, you know, some of the uh, when he was on Facebook and some of the things that he would uh, uh, say about scripture and so on, that was part of me starting to think different. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was also part of, of, of me changing. When I was still, like before that experience, I would call Peter and, and uh, tell him about my, my frustration and so forth. I remember him sharing a little bit that you and, were calling and messaging. And, and, and so on. So even during the time we were in Mexico, like we would have never gone to Mexico to have a lot of the church. Had it not been for this, there was such excitement in me to, I have something to share. I cannot help those people with, uh, with their farming. I cannot... You know, but I got something that I can share with That's them. That's right. I found what my soul was looking for, right? Exactly. And you know, when, when Jesus says that, that God knows when a hair falls from my head, that means he knows everything about me, every thought, every word, everything. So I can I can fully trust him all the time. Yeah. Amen. I mean, that's a good good enough place to close it for me, I would think. I sure appreciate it. Sure. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem.